Uh, we are changing gears uh, from the book of Habakkuk uh, to uh, Lamentations uh, as we return to the series on uh, gentle and lowly uh, as our Savior is. Uh, so turn with me, please, in your Bibles to uh, Lamentations uh, chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, and I'll be picking up at verse 19. Uh, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Um, It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes. Let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, He will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. He does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. There is one place um, that Jesus gives us a peek into his heart. And that is in in Matthew chapter 11. And he says that uh, he is gentle and lowly in heart. Gentle and lowly in heart. It is the Spirit's work, as we have already prayed today, Uh, that our thinking would be corrected, uh, that our thinking would be brought in line with how Jesus reveals himself, and truly God the Father as well, gentle and lowly in heart. As deep as our sinfulness runs, his gentleness runs deeper. Um, His deepest impulse is to move towards the sinner. His deepest impulse is to move towards the afflicted, the sufferer, and not to be repulsed. He gets more joy 
than we do when we come to him asking for help. This is the gentle and lowly Savior that we have. And our text this morning is really a postscript, a tagline at the end of the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, you recall, was a man who was quivering and trembling in anticipation of the evil that would come upon God's people in the form of the Babylonian conquest. The year is 586. The Babylonians would come in and crush, stomp on Jerusalem. Habakkuk saw it coming. And that anticipation was enough to cause him to tremble and quiver. And yet, towards the end of the book, we do see him living by faith, so that he was able to quiet his heart in the face of the onslaught that was coming, and even still, at that time, to be able to say, as we have come to enjoy singing, I will rejoice in God my Savior. The trouble is looming. It is certain. I will rejoice in God my Savior. Lamentations is written in real time. The Babylonians have already stormed through. And Jeremiah, likely Jeremiah, the author of this, uh, is experiencing, along with the people of Judah, what Habakkuk only anticipated. And so we have a lament in this, in this, uh, in this, in this book. Well, this does cause us, again, to just take a moment and say, what is God like uh, deep down? That's the question that Habakkuk asked. It's a question that we ask as well when we go through difficult times. Uh, You may have had or may have now or you may have in the future some debilitating illness that crushes your spirit. It is painful, but it is not just the pain. It is the duration of it. Will it ever end? You may have unrest in your family. That causes a raw sense of hopelessness. You may watch a loved one leave the faith. And it nearly crushes you. You may witness injustice occurring to another believer. Or or for that matter, someone who does not know Christ. What kind of God do we have? What is he really like? Is he a heartless disciplinarian? Is he distant from us in our suffering? Are we on our own? Are we on our own? Lamentations fuels your faith in God in your affliction. The book of Lamentations, and especially the text we're looking at today, fuels your faith in God in the course of or during your affliction. And it does so, one way is by the careful design of the way the book itself was drawn together, was written by a very creative author. Uh, there are five chapters. In chapters one and two and three and, and, and three and one and two and four and five. One and two and four and five. Each of those chapters has 22 verses in them. And they are full of descriptions of the desolation that has occurred, the ruin that has occurred to the city and to the lives of individuals. Chapters one and two and four and five. Twenty-two verses each. They are the booklet, bookends. 
The middle chapter, uh, chapter 3, has 66 verses in it. And at the heart of that chapter is that uh, phrase that we come to love and sing, and we'll sing it in a few minutes. Great is thy faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to when they are due. Every morning great is your faithfulness. But the dead center of the book and the dead center of chapter 3 is verse 33. And this is what pulls together how it is that we can live by faith in our covenant-keeping God while undergoing all kinds of, of afflictions in our own life our own lives, in the church of Jesus Christ, in our nation, in our world, it is because of this. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. That's my version of the ESV. It's the old one, 2001. If you've been reading along in the, in the Bible in the pew, or perhaps you have a newer version of the ESV, there is an improvement, and there is an improvement in the direction of a literal translation of the text. From, he does not willingly afflict to this, for he does not afflict from his heart. He does not afflict from his heart. Our theme this morning um, is simple. If you have your little sermon outline, I just want you to take note of something pretty carefully. As I noticed just, I I don't know, it was last night as I was looking this, the theme as I have it in your bulletin is, is fight to savor God's delight in your affliction. Now, that can be counted, that can be read two different ways, can it? And so, in, in, order to, in order to make things right, let me put it this way. In your affliction, fight to savor God's delight. Do we have that right now, people? In your affliction, fight to savor God's delight. And God does bring affliction. He is sovereign over good and bad. We saw in, in Habakkuk's prophecy that he predicted the bad, and it was worse than anyone could have imagined. The Babylonians are coming. He also predicted what was good. There will be salvation, and my glorious word will cover the earth. That's coming. But it's in the future. He is sovereign over good and bad. And in Lamentations chapter 3, again, let's read verses 31 to 33 again. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Remember, he's sovereign of both good and bad. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. God is sovereign over the good and the bad. And we said that earlier uh, as we were reciting together those golden phrases from Heidelberg number one. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head apart from the will of my Father in heaven. Nothing can happen apart from the will of my Father in heaven. So he does bring affliction. God brings affliction. He does. Let's, let's think about Let's think about our kinds of discipline for just a moment. Um, parents um, bring a discipline to you, children. Um, 
your parents discipline you, um, not because they like it, although sometimes it might look like they do, um, but they do it because they love you and you need it. Bad behavior has painful consequences in this life. And one of the things that Gail and I guided Gail and, and, and I as, as guided Gail and me as we were raising our children was to visualize sin patterns in a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a ten-year-old. Visualize that at age sixteen. That behavior growing 16, 18, 25. And that caused us to want to be diligent in discipline. As kids squabble with their siblings, as kids sassed their parents, I remember, I remember vividly getting a, getting a, a container of pump liquid soap. You know what I'm talking about? And taking one of my kids into the bathroom right next to our kitchen where we used to live, stick out your tongue, squirt, squirt, even rubbed it around a little bit. Don't spit it out. Don't swallow it. Don't spit it out. It might be spanking. It might be depriving them of something. But the problem is when this kid grows up, he's going to bring his tongue with him. And if he talks to his boss like he talked to me, he's going to be fired. There's a reason. A little bit of pain now because there could be more pain later. But most of all, for the glory of God, we speak words of health for the glory of the God, not tearing, not tearing others down. And yet here it says God is reluctant to discipline. It is necessary, but he's reluctant to do it. And he disciplines his children in love. God does bring affliction. God does bring discipline. But not from his heart. The Heavenly Father disciplines us. Um, He afflicts us, but not from his heart. Fight to remember his delight. In the midst of your affliction and your suffering, it is a fight. Fight to remember the Father's delight. He doesn't like it when he afflicts you. He doesn't prefer it when he afflicts you. He doesn't do it willingly. He doesn't do it from his heart. Thomas Goodwin put it this way, one of the Puritan writers, God's mercy, listen to this, God's mercy is more natural to him than his acts of justice or punishment. God's mercy is more natural, uh, more on the surface of of his heart, more quicker to come out. Yes, God punishes sin um, because uh, with death because that is deserved. Yet there still is something in God that is contrary to that punishment of death. I do not desire the death of the sinner. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I'm reluctant. May we dare say even in the existence of hell, God is reluctant. It is his preference. 
that we would believe. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't bring that pain willingly from his heart. Yes, he drove out Israel in his anger, but even that was not in his whole heart. I want you to turn back to Jeremiah. It is the, it is the book immediately prior to Lamentations. And I want you to go with me to, um, to, to uh, chapter 32. This is one of those passages that if you don't have it marked up in your Bible, I encourage you to do it so you don't lose sight of it. But listen, listen um, to, the, to the heart of God as it is revealed here. I'll back up to verse 39. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make them an everlasting covenant. And listen to this. There are three tiers of of expression of God's heart. Listen listen carefully. I I will make with them an everlasting covenant. I will not turn away from doing good to them. Well, that's something. I will not turn away. I won't stop doing good to them. That's saying something. But he goes on to say, I will rejoice in doing them good. I'm not just going to not have those bad things happen to them. I'm going to rejoice in doing them good. I'm going to rejoice in giving them the blessings of the covenant. But that's not strong enough either. I will um, plant them in this land and in faithfulness, the old covenant expressions of the, of the rewards of, of the covenant of grace. I will plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. God uh, does good for you um, through the giving of the kingdom, that is to know Jesus now and later in glory, He does good to you with every fiber of his being, if we can put it that way. He holds nothing back from you. Justice is his strange work. Justice is his alien work. It is necessary, but it is not his preference. He doesn't afflict you from his heart. Well, how is it that God can be so generous? How is it that mercy, how is it that mercy can be his natural work? Mercy can be that which is, is, it flows out of him. How can that be? Well, it is the simple story of the gospel that God himself paid a debt he did not owe uh, for a debt that we could not pay. Perhaps you've sung that song. God himself paid a debt that he did not owe uh, for a debt that, uh, uh, that we could not pay. And so he welcomes us to come home to him with a full heart and with his whole heart and soul. And so let's, let's take that into today for our, our own sufferings, our own, the, the own dealings that we have that are difficult. God does nothing random. <laughs> there are not random events. But because of his, the favor that God has in his Son and us united to him, um, God, uh, God uh, is, does not delight, and yet he gives. He does not delight in your suffering. I was speaking to one of our, our, our older saints uh, this week, and she was describing bone-on-bone pain in her spine. And I'm thinking, I, can, I do not have, I do not, I cannot grasp that. 
the constant pain, bone on bone, back here. God does not afflict willingly. God does not afflict from his heart. You may be going through a dark depression. God does not afflict from his heart. You may have a selfish spouse or a selfish friend who can make life difficult for you from time to time. God does not afflict from his heart. Of course it's hard to remember. Of course it's a fight. But it helps, secondly, we fight to remember his delight, but we also fight to consider his design. What's it all about? Consider the design. Affliction uh, deepens our joy by refining our taste for what is good and right and true. When, When God deprives us of things that we want in this life, it really sharpens our taste it, it enhances our hunger for, it increases our appetite for what is good and right and true. So God uses discipline, and I'm leaning on J.I. Packer for these phrases. God uses discipline um, and, and affliction as a chisel to sculpt your life. A, a chisel. You've got to use, sometimes you've got to use a hammer, and you've got to have a chisel, you've got to hit pretty hard to break that stone. But he never hits too hard. And he never goes too deep. J.I. Packer again, your, your weakness deepens your dependence on Christ for strength. So your weakness is not a bad thing. The weaker you feel, the harder you lean. And the harder you lean, the stronger you grow. So you can live, you can live with a thorn in your side. And you can live with that thorn in your side and and not be complaining all the time. You can do that. And it shows that you're growing up. That God is chiseling away some of the things that We're not glorifying to him. So we can be patient with others and gentle with them as God is with us. I, I hear, I hear uh, people ask from time to time, why is this thing happening, whatever it is? Why is this thing happening? And, and I'm, I, I say, I don't know. You may never know. But you can answer this question. If you ask, how am I to glorify God now? in the midst of this trouble and affliction that I can't really explain, how do I do that? Well, that's a whole lot easier. Easier to say. (laughs) You trust. You praise. You say, Holy Spirit, search my heart for what you want me to submit more fully to you. Finally, in this process, and, and I, want, I want you to hear this again, please. Our, our natural inclination is to believe that God's natural work is judgment um, and his strange work or unusual work or farther off in the distance work is mercy. And, and we, have got, we have got it absolutely backwards. 
And so I want, I want you to flip over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 for a moment as we look at, as we look at, at, a, at one more uh, text there. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, and it's verse uh, 18. And this is, this is a daring statement. Um, it is a daring statement. Um, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. That's, that's where we want to be. With unveiled faces... Faces with the, with the cloud, the shroud removed so that we can see God clearly and we can shift from what we imagine. We imagine that mercy is his strange work or unusual work and judgment is his natural work. But what is the Spirit doing now? He is transforming you into his image from one degree of glory to another. That's the work of sanctification. But it is described in... in ter- you are becoming godlike by the work of the Spirit in sanctification. You are being glorified now in small bits as He is transforming you into His image from one degree of glory to another. You're setting your sights to love. I'm setting my sights too low. But when you see God as He is truly revealed to us in the Scripture, the Spirit changes you. He is wondrous in glory and majesty. And when you, when you begin to see that compassion is His natural work, that it applies to you in your weakest and when you're feeling your worst about yourself, His compassion is His natural work. And, and let's, let's think about that in two ways. First of all, your view of God is changing and will change further. Your view of God will change. The Holy Spirit, through the steady drip of gospel preaching, rewires your hearts and minds to what He is really like. Jeremiah describes what God is really like. He will not turn away from doing you good. That's not strong enough. He will rejoice in doing you good. That's better, but it's still not strong enough. He will do so with all of his heart and his soul. That affects how you get up in the morning. It affects how you open your Bible. It affects how you come to church. It affects how you pray. It it, it affects everything about your life. I, I... I remember talking to this woman uh, uh, 30 years ago. And, but it, it struck me. I think I was fresh out of seminary, and I've got this optimism, you know. And, and, but she said, she said, I don't need to hear another sermon ever again, or not for a while, something like that. I've heard enough what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I didn't have the savvy to be able to see That's exactly why you need the preaching of the gospel. Yes, you know what to do. But do you see the preciousness of the heart of God? For whom compassion is his primary work. That he can meet you in your failure and, and give you the gift of the Spirit to move on. To move on in a life that glorifies him. So this is, this is a framework. When I get up in the morning and I, and I get to my Bible time, which is only after I've had, I've gotten my first cup of coffee, 
I, I, this is what goes through my mind. Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? I'm, I'm feeling a little grumpy, actually. But I know you've got something for me. And it's going to be good. You're going to show me something about the heart of, of God. I, I, this, is, this is where we're going. You know, we, we open up, we open up, we come to church not to just hear what we're supposed to do. We, we read our Bibles not just to hear what we're supposed to do, but to encounter the compassion of God, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, and I need some today. Great is your faithfulness. And so we, we, we come here to drink. We come in here to drink the cup of God's mercy and compassion. And that gives us hope so that we can get off our knees and do something. And we are learning Habakkuk's lesson to rejoice even when things aren't growing great. The second thing that happens is, is as we're beginning to see God properly, that, that, that gospel drip is coming into, you know, coming into our, our hearts and is, is softening and, 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 and penetrating and marinating in our heart. The other thing that is going to change, not only will our view of God continue to change, but our instincts towards people will change too. Our instincts will change. Parents, um, when you see God as he is, parents, when you see God as he is, mercy will be your natural work with your children. (laughs) I get it. I get it that they're forgetful. I get it that you ask them to do something and they forget. Or they just willfully walk away. I get it. And I get it that they have weaknesses. Now, kids, I want to talk to you for just a minute. And your parents have weaknesses, too. (laughs) But the more you get to know Jesus... You're able to live with them with a quietness and submission. And parents, for your part, mercy will be your natural work. Your patience will grow. You will, and listen carefully, you will loathe your self-righteous episodes of anger. And I am speaking autobiographically now. Looking back on episodes that I've had, with, I had with my kids many years ago, and I and I shudder and I loathe as the heart gets marinated more and more with the gospel. Mercy and gentleness will leak out of you. It will leak out of you. So take heart. You have friends. We all have friends, and we must admit that uh, oftentimes judging is our natural work, the easy work, the spontaneous work. We are quick to blame. Uh, natural, the natural work of criticizing seems so what? So natural. <laughs> but God's natural work of mercy is rewiring you to mercy. To think the best and not the worst. To make judgments of charity, not assuming bad motives. It is a difficult time in our society It is a difficult time in church. It's a difficult time in our homes. I get that. But more and more, 
we are learning by God's grace that people, you know, that, that as the Spirit marinates our heart, uh, we are able to have that, that, uh, that work of mercy. So, t- as we conclude today, I just ask you to, have you seen the Holy Spirit work in you in this way? Have you seen the Holy Spirit work in you to soften your heart? First of all, to believe the beautiful gospel for your own soul. Maybe, maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've never seen God as one who is quick to forgive. Come to the Father today. The door is open. He is calling you by the Spirit to come and embrace His mercy. And it could be for those like myself who have been walking for a while with the Lord already. We need to remember as well that the Holy Spirit works mercy in our hearts too, even as we've seen His mercy. Let's pray together. Lord, in, in all these words this morning, we, we want to know and to hear um, one thing primarily. And that you uh, do not afflict us from your heart because you have afflicted Jesus. And you have for us um, an abundance and a flow of mercy. And for that we give you thanks. In the name of Christ. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness, 30.